You are listening to the First Baptist Jinx podcast. To learn more about FBC Jinx, including our gathering times, visit us online at fbcjinx.org. Today's talk comes from Pastor Rick Fry. Well, good morning, church family. Let me welcome you today. We're glad that you're here. Those of you joining us online, thank you so much for doing that, and we're excited that you're with us today. This morning, I'm continuing our series. I've got one more in this series, From My Heart, and today I want you to take your Bibles, turn, if you will, with me to the book of Genesis, Genesis chapter 5. And today we're going to look at an incredible guy who had a 300-year, three-century walk with God. Let's pick it up this morning. Let's just plunge into this. We've got a lot of territory to cover this morning. Let's begin in verse 3. He said, when Adam had lived 130 years, he fathered a son in his own likeness after his image and named him Seth. The days of Adam after he had fathered Seth were 800 years, and he had other sons and daughters. Thus all the days of Adam lived were 930 years. And catch this, and he died. When Seth had lived 105 years, he fathered Enosh. Seth had lived after he fathered Enosh 807 years, had other sons and daughters, and thus all the days of Seth were 912 years, and again, and he died. When Enosh had lived 90 years, he fathered Kenan. Enosh lived after he fathered Kenan 815 years, and had other sons and daughters, thus all the days of Enosh were 905 years, and he died. When Kenan had lived 70 years, he fathered Mahaliel. Kenan lived after he had fathered Mahaliel 840 years and had other sons and daughters. Thus all the days of Kenan were 910 years and again, and he died. When Mahaliel had lived 65 years, he fathered Jared. And Mahaliel lived after he fathered Jared 830 years and had other sons and daughters. Thus all the days of Mahaliel were 895 years and he died. Then Jared lived 162 years, he fathered Enoch. Jared had lived after he fathered Enoch 800 years and had other sons and daughters, and thus all the days of Jared were 962 years, and again, and he died. When Enoch had lived 65 years, he fathered Methuselah. Enoch walked with God after he fathered Methuselah 300 years, had other sons and daughters. Thus all the days of Enoch were 365 years. Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. That little passage of Scripture that I just read to you has often been called the obituary of the Old Testament. You and I would be amazed to think about how in the world did a man for 300 years walk faithfully with God? Well, I will tell you there's a lot of speculation about how Enoch walked with God. It's kind of sentiment to think that, wow, he began to walk with God because when he discovered at age 65 that he was going to become a dad, I think I would fall over dead right now if I found out that I was going to be a dad at that age, Amen. And so here he is, and, he's, and to look at this story, you think, wow, he must have, because of the pressing need of, of raising a child at the age of 65, and he was pressed into the arms of God. It's interesting, if you look in verse 22, it says, he walked with God after he fathered Methuselah for three solid centuries. Matthew Henry's commentary on this text says that he took the child into his arms, and he took God into his heart. Now, I will tell you, that's a beautiful sentiment. It, 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 it speaks to the heart. We, we get emotional about it. But I must tell you, it does not explain how in the world a guy for three centuries walked with God. It might explain certainly that when Methuselah was born and he began to grow and the responsibility of raising a child would press him into the father's arms. But I will tell you, it will not account for a three-century walk with God. Something had to happen that is much deeper in this story. Let's go back and pick it up beginning in verse 25. When Methuselah lived 187 years, he fathered Lamech. 
Methuselah lived after he fathered Lamech 782 years, had other sons and daughters. Thus, all the days of Methuselah were 969 years, and you need to underline that, and he died. When Lamech had lived 182 years, he fathered a son and called his name Noah, saying that out of the ground that the Lord has cursed, this one shall bring us relief, and from the work and from the painful toil of our hands. Lamech lived after he fathered Noah 595 years, had other sons and daughters. Thus, all the days of Lamech were 777 years, and once again, and he died. I don't know about you, but when I read this passage of Scripture, it's almost like this bell tolling of funeral after funeral after funeral, and he died, and he died, and he died, except for one little restraint where it simply said, <laughs> and God took him. I was reading just this week John Peterson, the great Hebrew scholar. This is the way he summarized it. He said, it all can be explained by three words, hatching, matching, and dispatching. Hatching was the birth, matching were the marriages, and the dispatching was all of that refrain, and he died. And just about the time that you get finished reading this story, and out of sheer monotony of, and he died, and he died, you almost want to just kind of close your Bible and quit because of the monogamy. And yet, when you look at the story, all of a sudden, it comes into the light, the story of a man by the name of Enoch. Do you realize that his life biography could be summed up in four words? Enoch walked with God. Notice that it doesn't say that he thought about God, didn't say that he talked about God, didn't say that he argued about God. It simply said he walked with God. As I thought about a message that I wanted to share with you next to the last message that I will preach as your senior pastor, I wanted to challenge you this morning to think hard to look at your life, to examine and ask yourself, do I really and truly have an authentic, life-changing walk with God? A walk like this man, Enoch, who for three centuries walked faithfully with God. Three things I want you to see. First of all, difficulties in walking with God. This man lived in an ungodly world. In fact, if you know anything of the story, the surrounding of his environment, you would probably say this is one guy who probably, because of his environment, could not have walked with God. It would be too hard. It would be too difficult. There's no way that he could. And if you look at the geography around this chapter, what you'll discover is this is coming right at the end of chapter 5 of the book of Genesis. And when you move across the artificial chapter division, you come into the account of what we find is the great flood, the destroying of the earth. And here's what you have in Genesis chapter 5. You have human history, that is mankind, on a toboggan slide, downward every direction, going further and faster and further and faster. And the faster he goes, the harder it is to put the brakes on, the harder it is for him to get off. And guess what the end result is going to be? He's going to splash into a flood that is going to destroy every living, breathing, unprotected thing on the face of this earth. That is the kind of world that Enoch was living in. In fact, you'll find that his story is told three times within the Word of God. It's told once here, once in the 11th chapter of the book of Hebrews, and once in the little book of Jude. What's interesting is, as you look at those times that it talks about this, there is one verse that actually, one word in a verse that is spoken four times that really describes the kind of world, the kind of environment that he was living in. You know what that word is? Ungodly. Now, most of us are going to look at that and go, well, I know what that means. It talks about people's morals. You need to understand something this morning. That word ungodly primarily has nothing to do whatsoever with morality. You see, that word ungodly simply means this, minus God. Minus God. 
It is a picture of people who have taken their fist and closed their fist and shoved into the face of God and said, I don't want to have anything to do with you whatsoever. Now listen to me carefully. Has it ever occurred to you that the most ungodly man in our city, right here in Jinx, just may very well be the most moral man in our city? And the reason why is because it has absolutely nothing to do with morality. Be honest with you this morning, the more moral the person is, the more likely he is that he's going to be ungodly. And the reason why is he has substituted that morality for godliness. And thus he becomes the hardest person in our community to reach with the gospel for God to invade his life, for God to bring about transformation. You know why? Because he's happy and satisfied with his morality. I'm a good person. I'm a moral person. I don't know anything that's bad. That's the kind of world that Enoch lived in. A world that put his hand into the face of God and said, I want to have nothing to do with you. And against all of those odds, with all of the influence of that society against him that was trying to squeeze him into the mold of that world and that ideology, in spite of that, this man walked with God. Do you know what one of the leading excuses is today, why people today don't want to walk with God? You know what they say is, I don't believe anybody can really walk with God that faithful in the kind of world in which you and I are living in. I hear it all the time. And can I tell you a secret this morning? I really and truly believe that when you and I someday stand before the judgment seat of God, this man is going to prove to us by his finished history that it's a possibility that you can walk with God. And can I tell you this morning that if we do not walk with God against all the odds that we face, (laughs) this man's going to condemn every last one of us for not doing it. Because here is a man who walked with God in spite of living in a very hard, difficult time that was ungodly. But secondly, he was a busy man. Jude tells us that he was one of the first prophets to actually stand and preach the word of God. Over 1,500 times we see in the Old Testament the prophets would stand and say, thus saith the Lord. I mean, this guy's a busy guy. If you read, we at least know he had five kids, so he was a busy father. Do you know what one of the biggest excuses we have today for people saying, I can't walk with God, is I'm too busy. There's too much on my plate. I got too much going on in my life. I work all week. And then sometimes I have to work on Saturday. If I don't work on Saturday, I've got to run the kids to this thing and that thing and this sporting event and that sporting event, and I just don't have time to truly sit down at the feet of Jesus and have a life-changing walk with God. You better remember one thing. God wound you up. God made you and created you. And if you do not take time for recreation, true rest, and dependence upon God in worship, and hear me, family, that's not really just done one day a week, that's done every day of the week. And yet man has the audacity to put his fist into the face of God and shake it and say, I don't have time for you. I'm just too busy. Now here's the third one. It's not on your outline in your worship guide, but it is on the screen. This man lived before any of the great revelations of God had occurred. Not one line of your Bible had been written down when this man walked with God. Can I ask you a question? How would you like to try to walk with God today without one line from Genesis 1-1 to Revelation 22-21? Not a promise, not a hope. So let me ask you this question. How well are you and I walking with God when we have God's word in our lap today? How well? You see, it proves the possibility 
Because I will tell you, I wouldn't want to try to walk with God today without a promise or a word from, from his inspired word of God. And yet, hear me this morning, what are we going to tell God when we stand up Sunday before him and say, well, I didn't walk with you, I was too busy, I had too much time, there was too much thing going on in my life. And thus, this man gives this incredible account of how he walked with God for three centuries. Second thing I want you to see is the directions for walking with God. Number one, you got to take the first step. It says Enoch walked with God. The law of physics would tell you, you can't walk with anybody standing still. Somewhere you've got to begin to move, and that is the primary reason so many of us are not walking with God today. You know why? We never start to move. We never take the first step. Oh, we will come and get under the support of somebody else's teaching. We will admire someone else's walk with God. And yet we will come and we'll sit in a service like this. We'll get inspired. We'll go away with the inspiration. But just as soon as we leave, that inspiration begins to drain out just as rapidly as it came in. And we never end up walking with God. You know why? Because it's not truly ours. It's somebody else's. And we end up being more guilty than we were before we ever started trying to have a walk with God. There's no Chinese proverb that says, even the longest journey still begins with the first step. And here's the question I want to ask you. Have you ever taken the first step? Has there ever been a time in your life where you finally just abandon yourself of your pride and your self-sufficiency? And listen to me. I would encourage every one of us in this room, if this has never happened to you, that you would draw an imaginary line across your pathway and tell God, before this morning you get up out of that seat, I will not cross that line until I'm willing to raise my trembling hand and feel the warm palm of heaven and catch the cadence and the pulse beat of my great Savior who loved me and died for me and truly begin to have a walk with God. And what breaks my heart of being a pastor now for almost 53 years, you know what? I have seen people who will wonder at the prospect of that. They will hope they can, but they will never take the first step. And thus they never begin to walk with God. Secondly, you've got to be moving in the same direction. Have you ever wondered why the word repent just looms over the Scripture? Do you know what that word repent means? It means to look back over your life and see the direction that you're headed and ask yourself this question. If I project that direction forever, will I be satisfied to what I did with God following that direction? You see, repentance is a moment where God stops you dead in your tracks. And he says, I want you to readjust, rethink your life. Because repentance, metanoia, is a change of mind, but it's also a readjustment of your life to catch the cadence of God and begin to walk with him. And that's what repentance means, to turn around. You know, you know why so many of us today, why there's such a need to repent? is because you and I were born facing away from God. We were born in what the Bible calls sin. That's the reason God commands us to repent. He doesn't ask. He doesn't say it's a nice thing to do. No, he commands it. In Acts 17, 30, he said, God commandeth every man everywhere to repent. You know why? Because God knows what's at stake, and you and I don't. So what we end up doing is we just continue with our self-satisfied, self-centered life, all the time going in the wrong direction, not knowing the difference until God would cause you to reevaluate your life and channel your life into a genuine walk with him. Someone once said that the word evil is nothing but live, spelled backwards. You know what sin is? 
going in the wrong direction, away from God. And my question to many of you sitting here or watching online this morning is, are you today going in the same direction as God? Be honest. Do you love the things that God loves? Is the fruit of the Spirit true within your life of love, joy, peace, kindness, gentleness? Are you moving in that same direction? Be awful careful because, listen to me, if you have not repented, if you have not deliberately and decisively repented of your sins, without exception, you're going in the wrong direction. Next, you've got to be at the same, going at the same speed. You say, Rick, what do you mean by that? Well, if you get ahead, he can't guide you. If you fall behind, he can't guide you. I'll be honest, I think one of the biggest problems in the average Christian life today is we are too impatient. We want to jerk the pages of the calendar back when God is working. And the reason why is because we want God to move at our pace. We don't want to move at his pace. And then you've got to have a corresponding nature. In Amos chapter 3, verse 3, he asked the question, can two walk together unless they be agreed? The answer is no. There was one day that Jesus probably he confronted one of the most religious men that he had ever met in his life. You know what his name was? Nicodemus. And Jesus said, Father, what do I say to him? And the father said, "Unless you tell him unless he is born right of my nature, he will never see, let alone enter into the kingdom of God. So this is what he said. He said, I say unto you, unless you be born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. That word again is the Greek word athodem. It means from above. Born out of the very nature of God. Listen to what 2 Peter 1.4 says. When you are born again, your inner character becomes a partaker of the divine nature of God. It's the first time that you and God are once again back on that incredible relationship of growing because he's living inside of you. But listen to me, only the heaven-born are heaven-bound. You've got to know Christ. You've got to have a relationship with him. Nobody's going to heaven because you're a part of a denomination. You're not going to go to heaven because you've been a Baptist all your life. You're not going to go to heaven because you've been to Methodist, Church of Christ, or Presbyterian, or any of those denominations. You have to carry the very nature of God inside of you by a radical new birth. It is a relationship with him, and it begins with a new birth. Here's the third and final one, the delights of walking with God. You know, I hear Christians all the time that will say to me, Pastor, man, I, I tell you what, it is just too difficult to live the Christian life that I believe the Word of God is telling me to live. I, I just can't do it. Can I tell you when we say that, that is a confession of failure to walk with God? Because when you break your walk with God, let me tell you what happens. You lose your delight. All joy goes out. You become a cranky individual, not pleasant to be around. You're just negative all the time. There's no joy there. When you break your walk and stride with God, and what you end up doing, you try to live life without a life to live. Three centuries this man walked with God. You think he was not a delighted man? There was a joy within his life. Eight times I read you in this statement, this little phrase, and he died, and he died, and he died, and he died. The average lifespan of those eight people was 912 years. Think about this. They lived an average of 912 years. Enoch lived only 365. You know what the difference was? They represented length of life. He represented quality of life. You see, every one of us in this room, we have to make a choice. What, what, do, what do I want? Do I really want to have a quality of life that has purpose and meaning? 
Did you notice how this story closes in verse 24? It says, Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. I was sitting there as I was reading this story, and I thought to myself, can you imagine what friends and family might have said when all of a sudden he came up missing? Did old age take him? No. Did disease get him? No. Did he have an accident? No. Well, then what in the world happened to him? Because he ain't here. He is gone. One day, they said he just showed up missing. And you know what they did? They blamed his absence on the last person that they knew him to be with. And in his case, it was never any question. Because this man, for three solid centuries, walked with God. And there is that little refrain that said, God took him. Remember I said that this story is told again in Hebrews chapter 11. Look at what he says in verse 5. By faith Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death. And when he was not found because God had taken him. Now before he was taken he was commended as having pleased God. Now if you're a student of scripture and if you're listening real carefully. I just told you why Methuselah lived longer than anybody else. Two words. By faith scripture says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of god so what that says to me is that guess what god had to tell this man something for him to respond in the way that he responded so the question is what in the world did he tell him let me show you when he called enoch aside at the age of 65 he said son i am going to give you a boy but you better be awful careful how you handle him and what you do with him he said, I want you to name me. He said, Lord, what do you want me to name me? I want you to name me Methuselah, which means when he is gone, it shall come. You know why? Because the whole world, the world history, everything that they knew of the world, overseeing the judgment of God, everything was going to be destroyed upon the earth. Listen, the day that boy died. Now think about it. For 40 days and 40 nights, God was going to reverse the second day of creation and it was going to rain upon this earth and every living and breathing thing was going to die. He said, you better take good care of that boy. So for 300 centuries, 300, three, three centuries, he walked with God. Think about it. Every step that he took, he thought, this could be the last one. The world's gonna be destroyed. But he just kept living. 600 years, 700 years, 800 years, 900 years, 925, 965 years, and he fell over dead, and that's the day everything was over. You say, Pastor, prove it to me. Well, keep your Bibles open and look at this. Methuselah was 187 years old at Lamech's birth. That's found in Genesis chapter 5 and verse 25. Lamech was 182 years old at Noah's birth, verse 28. Noah was 600 years when the flood came in chapter 7, verse 11. Add those three together. What do you get? You take 187, 182, 600. Guess what it is? 969 years. The age of Methuselah when he died the day the flood came. Family, listen to me this morning. Please hear me. 
Do you realize that every single person sitting in this room and every person that's listening to my voice online this morning, God, to the gaze of God, it's like he has written Methuselah across your forehead. You know what God is doing right now? Same thing he did with Methuselah. He lived 900 years, and God said, oh, world, please listen. You don't have much time. There's not many days left. There's not many months left. And guess what? The world chose not to listen and repent. And finally, God said, it's up. And the rubber band of God's patience that had been stretching and stretching thinner and thinner and thinner for 969 years, suddenly it popped. Do you realize that the very same thing is happening in the world that you and I live today? Just go back and pick up your Bible. Go back and read the book of Revelation. The Bible tells us that in the last days that there will be wars and rumors of wars and earthquakes and famines and pandemics. The Bible also says that men will hate one another so much so that their love will grow cold for humanity and because of the lawlessness, it will prevail. Listen to this. Nobody will fear the law. People will do what is right in their own eyes. Church family, listen to me. You don't have to go long, but turn on your television set and watch the news and see those very things are happening right now in our world today. Listen. If you value your life whatsoever, then break stride with your sin. Get into a walk with God. Because one day soon, he's coming. Some of you are sitting here this morning and you're listening online and you've never given your heart to Christ. There's never been that moment that you became broken over your sin and repented of your sin. Today I challenge you, break that sin stride and get in step with God and give your heart and life to Christ because I'm telling you, this whole world, all these things that are happening are what the Bible calls birth pains. And one of these days, just like it was in the days of Noah, God's patience is going to break and it's all over. Some of you are sitting here this morning and you're saved. You've been saved for years. But you don't have a walk with God. You play church. You've got bitterness and anger and resentment and jealousy within your life. It's like cancer is eating away at you. Your family don't like you. Kids don't like you. People don't like you. You come to church, put the mask on because you're good at that. But no walk. No delight. There's no joy in your step. Some of you have unbelievable gifts and talents that God wants to use. And this church needs you to step up and use the gifts and the talents that God has given to you. But like so many people today, we use this, I'm just too busy, I don't have time, got too many things. One of these days, one of these days, you know, when things settle down, I'll, man, I'll, I'll, I'll start serving. One day's going to be too late. Because one day, somebody is God's going to say, is like a Methuselah, this is the last one. The last person is going to walk the aisle and get saved somewhere. The last person is going to kneel beside their bed and get saved somewhere, someday. God is going to look at this world and say, enough is enough. Son, 
Go get my bride. What are we going to say before God? When we try to give all these excuses of why we didn't walk with him. And yet here's a man who stands with his life history. He says, yes, you can. So church, here's my challenge today. Break your stride. Get in step with a God who loved you and who's coming for you someday. Would you stand? Every head bowed, every eye closed. Father, I come to you this morning and I pray that today, Father, that someone here, someone watching online, somebody in this service today would draw that imaginary line and step across and say, God, I step across because I want to reach my hand up and I want to feel the palm of my Savior who loved me and died for me. And today I come and ask you to forgive me my sins and come into my life and save me. For others, Father, I pray they're saved and born again, but we've got lax and lazy and apathetic and complacent, and we've got content and satisfied with our selfishness, our pride, our sin. And we say, oh, God's grace is quick and easy. I can, I can, I'll eventually ask God to forgive me. Really? Paul said, can we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. God, I pray that you take us as a church and move us, Father, to realize that today we need to step out and, yes, repent, confess, and acknowledge, God, I've not been walking with you like I once did. I've lost that delight and that joy. Father, speak to hearts today. Draw us in your presence. May today we take that first step in being where we need to be in this relationship with you, and I pray that in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you so much for taking time out of your day to listen to our podcast. We hope that you've been encouraged and challenged to take steps closer to Jesus. Make sure to subscribe to this podcast, leave a review, share with your friends. It really does make a difference. And lastly, make sure to follow us on all of our social media at FBC Jinx to keep up with all that's going on in the life of our church. Again, thank you so much for listening and we'll see you next week.